Here's the million dollar question. How do men like us reach our full potential and grow into the men we dream of being while taking care of our responsibilities, working, being good husbands, fathers, and still take care of ourselves? That's the question. This podcast will help you with those answers. My name is Brent and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. My name is Brent and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. Today, we're going to talk to a men's dating and relationship coach about, well, everything because I just have so many questions. Kimberly Hill is joining us on the Fallible Man Podcast and welcome, Kimberly. Hello. Thanks for having me. I am super excited to be here. I, I have to say, you're like the second female guest I've ever had. Oh, okay. Well, this I, uh, is good news. <laughs> but I, feel I defer to experts. So uh, Susan was an intimacy expert. Mm. This is what she, the, her self-given title and stuff. And yeah. so I, I tend to defer to women when it comes to dating because let's face it, most of us guys don't have a clue. And, Honestly, uh, women also don't have a clue. <laughs> So I'll be the first one to say, like, I had no idea what I was doing dating. I managed to figure it out. Uh, got a little bit lucky along the way. But the truth is nobody is really taught this. So I, I think it's an ever changing uh, field, to be honest. I'm, I'm not sure there's an ever. Uh, I, I have lots. So I've been married for 20 years now. My, I told you my wife, Sarah, is doing the video work in the background. Uh, we've been married for 20 years. I've known her for 20. Well, kind of been in a relationship with her for 23. So the dating landscape is like, I can't even imagine it right now. You probably wouldn't want to either of you. So make sure you keep working it out. I, I have several <laughs> friends at work who uh, are single and I, I look at their life and go, yeah, man, I'm so glad I'm happily married. It just... <laughs> Well, like, let's be real. There's parts to envy in the dating process, but there are also many facets that are a huge source of frustration for a lot of people. <laughs> so, so before we dive too far into this, I am the worst podcast guest because I don't introduce my guests. I don't think that it's, it's doesn't work because I get to do all this research before a show. And yeah. so I get to look into your life and do your social media stuff. I was going through your Instagram this morning and I find all these things, but that doesn't actually really translate to my audience. So let's start off with, tell our audience, who is Kimberly Hill and why are you here today? Yeah, absolutely. Kimberly Hill is a men's life dating and relationship coach. And I'm here because, well, a lot of us need a little bit of guidance and support when it comes to navigating the world of online dating. Um, and so I'm honored to be on an amazing show that speaks directly to men, uh, so I can share some of what I'm teaching my clients now and maybe give you some useful tips that is going to help you feel a little more confident and a little more happy about the dating process that you're going through. I will say I was going through your Instagram and I love just some of the posts you've made because mm -hmm. I, I see, you know, I, I honestly get a little anxious when I talk to people about dating and relationships, right? Because it's a very personal situation for anybody. Yeah. But you know, I, I tend to lean towards a very conservative relationship because I was raised to be in a very conservative relationship, right? To mm -hmm. uh, be very safe and not give your way heart away too easily. But mm -hmm. I was looking at some of the advice you put out on your Instagram. And I got to say, I, I'm incredibly impressed at the depth in which the advice you're offering out for men who are in the dating world. Thank uh, you. It's very heartfelt, very deep, impactful 
advice that seems to be geared toward deep, meaningful relationships. I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm really pleased to hear that feedback from you because, you know, many of us are running brands and we are hoping that we're translating a specific message to people. And we don't always know how they're going to interpret that. But yes, you're totally right and very accurate that the support that I want to be providing and offer my clients is how can you really have a deep, true, genuine connection? It is much less about the game playing or the tactics or the pickup lines or how to get in the sack or get out of the sack or how to chew your arm off in the morning. It's much more about, hey, if you're wanting to create an authentic relationship, you want to be monogamous, you want to commit to somebody, um, I'm going to guide you on how to do that. So thank you for sharing what you thought. um, And I'm really pleased to hear it. Yep. It's, it's some really impressive advice, guys. So you guys really need to pay attention on this one. Kimberly's got a lot to share. And guys, how often do we get straight talk from a woman? You have all these questions you want to ask and you're terrified to ask. And mm-hmm. I, I think we're going to go there today. So Kimberly, before we get too deep, I have to ask you yeah. the truly important question. Okay. What is your favorite kind of ice cream? Oh my gosh. It's funny because I used to refer to some of the men I dated as vanilla ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) So nowadays I'd say I'm a little bit more, hmm, your cookie dough is probably my favorite flavor, a mint chocolate chip. (laughs) Ah, see, Mm. you're scoring well with my wife. She loves mint chocolate chip. Yeah, it's still classic, but it's like, it's not super boring, right? Like anyone can get behind that and anyone can enjoy it. (laughs) I ask all my guests about ice cream. None of them are really expecting it, but it just, you know, people are very interesting and ice cream just tells you a lot about people's personalities. Yeah. Right. You you get to- I'm totally wacky, quirky, like on traditional person too. Like right now it's like, we're introducing me and my business all serious, really- (laughs) You get to know me. I'm totally goofy and wacky. I say things I shouldn't say all of the time. I'm highly inappropriate in situations where I shouldn't be. And I use humor a lot to diffuse awkward situations. So, Oh, you're in a good place then. You're, you're in a yeah, good place. Welcome to my world. I, I, I'm more of an awkward silence kind of person who's like, I don't know if I should make that joke. I just, it sounds familiar, Sarah. I do it. I do it anyways. Like, you know, if we can't, laugh at ourselves and if we we go through life and everything is so heavy and so serious i believe right my belief is not going to be everyone else's but i believe we're going to look back on our life and be like man why didn't i just have that mint chocolate chip ice cream like why did i have to take everything so seriously (laughs) i I was raised a minister's son and so i i had to uh restrain certain parts of my humor in appropriate company Mm -hmm. so i i always learned to it's like uh you know pull the rain in just that last second when you want to say that thing that it's either going to get a laugh or it's going to get you in trouble. And Mm -hmm. so I I tend to focus on the side of caution just on that one out of just pure instinctive raising. That's a safe play. You know, playing it safe is not a bad way to go. Right. But now and then, you know, show the real you, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I, I get a little outspoken in other things, but uh, yeah, as opposed to my wife, who is the one who's likely to make the, quiet snide remark and uh, crack the joke. I wonder what her star sign is. I'm, I'm going to just take a wild random guess that she could be a Virgo like me. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope wrong. Scorpio. <laughs> I always say like Virgos are like, we're like 
we're good listeners, but we're like deep down, we're like seething with quiet resentment. Like we always have that opinion in the back of our minds. <laughs> Scorpio, she is. <laughs> I, I actually laugh because, you know, I've never put any faith in the whole, you know, astrological sign thing. However, I will say Sagittarius definitely sums me up pretty well. Yeah. But in my entire life, as long as I can remember, I've only ever dated Scorpios in my life. Really? Oh, so you have a pattern. Apparently. I I never even would have guessed it. But yeah, looking back, it was always Scorpios. (laughs) But I mean, you've been married now for 20 years. So, you know, that was a while ago. You're a changed man. (laughs) Nope. I love my Scorpio. She keeps me on my toes. So I I got to ask. And and you're going to have to forgive me because this is probably a really generic question. (laughs) How did you get into coaching uh, men on dating and relationships? I, honestly, it's probably one of my number one most asked questions. I and I always say to people, pre- prepare yourself for a non-traditional answer mm-hmm. because there was no way that growing up, I thought that this is what I wanted to do. Okay? So I came from a t- totally different career, but where the similarities lie is that the career I had before this, where I worked in financial derivatives, was a very male dominated industry. So I'm from beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, And when I was approaching my 20s, I decided to go on what many people do is like the, the backpacking trip, I wanted to go explore Asia for a couple months before I settled down and, you know, got a real job, so to speak. And that uh, backpacking trip turned into working uh, overseas for over 10 years. So I left with a backpack I actually came back with a backpack after many years, but (laughs) 10 years of like working in Sydney, Australia and and living in Singapore and uh, finding myself working in this uh, financial derivatives career, um, I was always working with men. So I reported to them. I traveled with them. I sat in the office with 98 men and one other woman, and I was always in that environment. And I actually felt very comfortable as a woman in that environment. And what I started to kind of notice over time, and most of this would be unconscious, but I started to notice that the men uh, in the office would open up to me. I started to hear about what was really going on in their lives. Uh, And I could also witness the struggle that a lot of men uh, dealt with in very high stressful job situations, trying to manage, you know, keeping clients happy and also like, have a healthy relationship. And a lot of the guys I worked with had relationships that weren't going so well. In fact, that was kind of reflecting on what was happening in my life too. So in a very, I'll try and give you the short version of the story is our firm actually hired a coach to be made available to the employees. And I thought, great, free advice, free help. Like I'll take it. So I signed up. I started speaking to this gentleman for probably around a year. And it was one of the most impactful uh, decisions I ever made to actually speak with this guy. Uh, Coaching really opened my mind up to really who I was, where my strengths and weaknesses were, and what I really wanted out of life. And through that kind of journey, I did have that aha moment where I realized I'm quite good at doing what I do here uh, in the corporate world, but where I really feel like I'm going to thrive and what's going to be really impactful for me and where I want to head as an individual is helping other people, how that's going to look and how it's all going to work out. I didn't really know at the time, but I wanted to become a coach. And then the second part of the journey started 
where I did decide to leave my job. Um, I, I did go on the journey of becoming a coach. And through many years of trial and error and working with other coaches and business coaches, I finally landed on supporting men in this area. Um, the truth was, uh, it started off with wanting to really support people with confidence. And very quickly, I realized that where a lot of men that I was attracting to my business were lacking confidence was in the area of dating and in their relationships. So I studied everything under the sun, including myself, uh, and got qualified to do what I do now. And here I am, very non-traditional trajectory to getting into this seat. <laughs> From beautiful Vancouver. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm in central Washington. Mm -hmm. So I, I've been to Vancouver many times. But uh, apparently Vancouver is a power seat of, you know, successful women online, right? There's a lot of like female run businesses here. Right. Yeah. I can think of several just uh, people I follow on YouTube, business coaches like Vanessa Lau and Sunny Leonard Sunny as Leonard, yeah. well. Yeah. I, I watch both Sunny and Vanessa a lot. It's like, wow, there's something going on here, right? Vanessa uh, and Sunny and now you, there's all these successful women who are pursuing careers online, helping people in yeah. amazing ways. Vancouver is just apparently a good place for it. Well, it's kind of like a little, you know, Vancouver is always like the West Coast kind of relaxed, healthy, vegan yoga, you know, community <laughs> in a way. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are very business minded here that want to like afford the lifestyle uh, that you need to afford in Vancouver. And how do we do it by like helping other people and also helping ourselves? And so, yeah, there are quite a lot of people that are coaches that I know in different coaching areas, whether it's business coaches, uh, life coaching, or uh, even trauma-informed coaching to dating and relationship coaching, which is what I specialize in. So, yeah. I, how, how, do you, how do you stand on Roger's chocolates? I got to ask. Oh, Roger's? Pretty good. I, I, I'd say I go for purdies more often, but weirdly my favorite chocolate is when I was living in Australia I don't know what it was but just felt tasted better over there I don't know why Interesting. See, I would say the same thing about coffee there's something about like the dairy in Oz it's just so creamy and rich that everything just tasted better there for some reason <laughs> I, I dig the Australian yogurt the Noosa brand yogurt yeah. it's, it's uh yeah there's something different about it I like the way they do it there yeah, well, Sarah's saying it's the sun. I, I, I think they put like in their chocolate and like an anti-melting agent. <laughs> no there. I don't know if that affects the flavor at all. I'm probably just going on a random tangent, but I just remember like sitting down and having like a full fat milk latte and just being like over the moon and turning into a bit of a coffee snob. <laughs> nice. So tell me a little bit about the modern dating landscape. Like I said, Sarah and I've been together. 23 yeah. years, married 20, you know, I have several coworkers who are in long-term relationships mm -hmm. and don't really do the dating thing. So, I mean, I look at what I see online and honestly, it's terrifying from my perspective. Well, yeah, you're right. Most people are talking about the problems people are facing when it comes to dating uh, because we're very vocal about things that aren't going so well in our lives. But once people do find someone that they're really compatible with, they kind of go silent, don't they? Right? They're no longer blogging about how awesome their relationship in life is. <laughs> so I will share with you some of the common frustrations that I hear. Uh, and then we can maybe unpack and talk about those. So 
definitely what I'm hearing very, very frequently is this exact phrase. Online dating is just not for me. Okay. So people, particularly men that I work with, are so frustrated with the landscape and the interactions they're having online. I did just a, a, a Instagram quiz the other day, which got, you know, like quite a lot of responses. And it was, you know, I'm just not getting the kind of matches I want. The conversations on apps are boring, or I have no idea how to ask a woman out these days. Uh, or the whole process is just frustrating the crap out of me. So that's a very, very common frustration is how do I navigate online dating? Why does it feel so superficial? Um, or help, I'm on there and I feel like a ghost. So that's definitely a really common uh, frustration that, that men have, probably women too. Um, and the other is I hear a lot of, I continue to attract the same type of person. Why is this happening, right? I continue to attract either someone who doesn't want to commit to me or I continue to get into toxic relationships or there's some kind of pattern that's happening and I'm frustrated because I don't know why. So I would say off the top of my head right now, those are two very common kind of frustrations that I get from men and probably the third would be I'm dating again I maybe am divorced now, maybe I'm even divorced twice, or I'm a single dad with kids, right? And I have no idea where to start because the last time I dated, and this would be like what your situation would be like if for some reason you weren't in a relationship right now, you'd be like, I don't even know where to start because the last time I dated was like 20 years ago and it sure as heck ain't the same. So I would say those are like the three common uh, issues that men are dealing with. And they're very real problems. I know. And so in the men's circles, you know, I'm in several different various men's groups. And, uh, you know, I, I interact with men all the time, obviously. Mm-hmm. And just my coworkers on my nine to five job and stuff like that. They're all very intimidated. Uh, you know, the Me Too movement scared the living daylights out of men. Uh, it's really important to raise that too. Yeah. And as many... I, I've known many women who are the victims of abuse. And so I absolutely think anyone who abuses of someone should be brought to justice. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, and I know that a lot of victims feel like no one hears them or they get pushed off. And so mm-hmm. I absolutely want justice for that. But at the same time, I also want, there, there's a lot of, you don't even have to prove a lot of things anymore right? There's a lot of, just an accusation can destroy a life. Yeah, and that sure can just can. be a person having a, an angry reaction to something, right? And so I know a lot of guys I talk to are very scared at the moment to even approach a new relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really valid. And I also, there's two points I want to make here. One is uh, I, I have a podcast as well, and I can't remember, it was a couple months ago I brought a gentleman on. Uh, he talked about uh, sexual abuse happening to men as well and how common that is particularly in America, but it's not talked about as much. Um, and so you're very right when it comes to the me too movement, I do believe that there are a lot of guys, they have these self-limiting beliefs. If I approach a woman in public, she's going to find me creepy. Or if I try and show a woman, I desire her by 
putting a hand around her waist or on her leg during a date to see if she's comfortable with me, um, I'm going to be seen as a pervert or I'm going to make her feel uncomfortable. So what the heck do I do? Because if I don't want to be friend zone, I need to let her know I desire her. But if I let her desire her, then I'm going to be offending her or getting in trouble. So I'm just going to sit at home and not even bother. Right. It's, it's a thought that I'm sure a lot of men have. Uh, and so overcoming that is obviously really important because one of the things I share with people a lot of the times is the beliefs that we have around dating and what we think is going to happen and our expectations around it can either support us to have a healthy experience or completely be to our detriment. Right. Um, so yeah, it's really valid that you bring that up. And I think there's a lot of men that I'm actually coaching now on one, making sure they're not relying 100% on online dating because it's a tool, not the only way to meet people, right? I always say, like, if you woke up tomorrow morning and Tinder and Bumble and Hinge and Eat Harmony and Plenty of Fish didn't exist, what would you do to meet somebody? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, this is a problem, right? We need to go back to understanding how do you approach women and what is maybe the right way to do that? Um, and so there's a lot of coaching that I do on, on like social skills as well. Mm -hmm. I honestly, I I would be lost for sure. If, if uh, I didn't have Sarah, (laughs) you know, I, I was raised and you you went to church to meet nice girls. That's, that's where you went. Oh, it's a good place for sure. Yeah. As, as a preacher's kid and a former minister, that's just, you know, you, you, you might date other girls every now and then, but you went to church to find nice girls to actually have a relationship with. To find a wife, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, have you, are you familiar with the, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Uh, in response, like Terry Crews came out talking about uh, being sexually abused mm-hmm. and he was met with such cruelty because this big masculine man who used to be a football player, right? And, and is seen as a physically fit person is trying to say, well, yeah, I, I was sexually abused. And the ridicule for a man speaking up. So yeah, that definitely doesn't happen often uh, where men come forward with that. Because just because a man is physically strong, it doesn't mean he's not capable of having someone take advantage of him, right? Because abuse, you know, I'm not an abuse specialist, but my thoughts here are that it doesn't always, it's not just like someone walks into a room and touches you physically. It's a, often a slow burn and a manipulation and a power dynamic. Uh, and I had a client that shared with me in confidence a while ago. Uh, he had never told anyone in his life about a time where he was sexually abused by a male friend. And as he was telling me the story of how it happened and why he allowed it to happen, allowed it to happen, I'm putting air quotes out there, people mm-hmm. that are only on audio, it was just, it was so heartbreaking to hear. And I can understand how it could happen to so many people because it's, it's also like a psychological form of abuse. So, exactly. Yeah. Are yeah. you familiar with the uh, MGTOW movement? Have you seen that? No, I haven't. No, but I'd love to hear it. It's, M- it's M-G-T-O-W. I'm not sure there's an actually great way to pronounce the acronym, but it's men going their own way. And it's okay. a movement I have seen picking up online, uh, in online Maybe groups like I've Facebook and other men's group where you find men's groups. Yeah. And it's, it's very much of a, all right guys, you know, there, there's nothing we absolutely need from women at this point. 
I, I, I actually have heard of this and you know what? It was from someone who's connected with me on social media. And I remember having, I don't remember the name of the individual, but this was a conversation many, many months ago. And he brought this up, but it, it came across to me as more like an anti-women type movement, right? Yes. Like we don't need women. We can sustain our lives without them, which I, mean, I fundamentally would disagree with yeah, being a yeah, woman myself. Yeah. But yeah, I can imagine that that movement is coming from a place of real deep hurt and mistrust of women. I think that's definitely where it's uh, at, based in. Seeing a lot of people talk about it, it's more of a... The, the views I'm seeing on it, besides, like I said, I, I agree. I think it came from a very injured mm. injured person is where it started, with people just being hurt. And you yeah. know, and I, I've seen the stories, right? I've known guys who have just gotten crushed in their relationships. But I'm seeing more of a, what's the right term? It's a value proposition, mm. Right men are weighing is like, okay, well, if this relationship goes well, what is being in this relationship bring me other than the physical side of it versus if it goes south, mm. right? I know at least in the U S judges give women pretty much what they want carte blanche in the court system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, guys are looking at it going, okay, well, if I come into this relationship with a good job and you know, stuff I've worked hard for, all she's got to do is decide I'm not happy anymore. And she gets half of what I've worked for yeah, for years to come. And so I'm seeing a lot of guys going, it's like, is it really worth the risk to lose half of what you spent your life working for? I, I was just curious if you guys were seeing that up there and you're dealing that with your clients some. That not, not, not so much. I have most of my clients are Canada or the United States and of mm -hmm. course international as well. I definitely am picking up on that from my U S clients, not so much from my Canadian clients. Okay. I do. I have worked with a lot of men that are thinking about divorce in the divorce process or already divorced. And I do remember one specific client that I worked with out of New York who said the court system just does not favor men. And here I am feeling like I'm going crazy and losing absolutely everything, despite the fact that I actually tried my very best to make things work. So I can understand where the thought process comes from, but I don't necessarily agree that it's a healthy one. And it also means that systematically, like the courts need to like work on that because men are very capable of being caregivers and providers for family and for children. You shouldn't necessarily be favoring women just because they have breasts or something like that. Right. So right. Um, I can understand where that me versus them mentality comes from, but I think it's very unhealthy. And obviously there's a lot of benefit that can come from having a healthy relationship. That being said, I am sure there are plenty of women out there that are genuinely just looking for money or a warm bed or whatever else it might be. Um, and it's certainly not the kind of relationship ship I want. And it's certainly not the kind of relationship I'm helping my clients find, but I know it certainly exists out there. And that's why there's so much chat about toxic relationships. Yeah. Well, guys, we're going to roll to our sponsor real quick and uh, we're going to be right back with Kimberly. And I promise we're going to pick it up to a much more positive idea, but we had to get the ugly truth out of the way and some of the stuff's going on. So stick with us and we'll be right back with more from Kimberly Hill. Today's episode brought to you by the fallibleman.com. That's right, it's us. 
head over to www.thefallibleman.com and check out our blog, updated twice a week with new content, and links to all of our social media offerings. Tag or search us at The Fallible Man or at Fallible Man on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social medias for daily content. While you're there, check out our attitude swag, shirts, cups, stickers, and more. Again, that's www.thefallibleman.com. Guys, we're back with Kimberly Hill, and we are talking about dating, relationships, and more. And I have no idea where this is going, but it's a great conversation so far. And we're going to just keep digging in. And uh, Kimberly is sharing some amazing perspectives with us. And Kimberly, I have to ask, what have you purchased in the last year under $100 that has most profoundly impacted your life? Well, that's a phenomenal question. I'll give something that's related to what I do and something that might not be related, but is definitely related to the mindset of what I do. So there are two books that I have purchased that are under hundred bucks that are very relevant to the work that I do. I would highly recommend any man go check them out. They just happen to be in arm's reach as well. Um, and they're both actually by the same author. So if anyone's ever heard of a uh, Dr. Robert Glover, he wrote a book called No More Mr. Nice Guy. And it's a phenomenal read for men that are feeling like they're people pleasers or are often putting others before themselves and their own needs and are struggling in relationships. So No More Mr. Nice Guy. And then Robert Glover just recently came out with another book called Dating Essentials for Men. Uh, and it's also phenomenal. Uh, and I reference it tons in my work because it ultimately is a, a lot of the lessons in there are what I'm helping men with. So two books under hundred bucks that have definitely changed the way that I coach men, uh, the thoughts that I have around dating for men, um, and also really validate a lot of the work I was doing before I read it. On a personal note, what I have purchased that is it under a hundred bucks? maybe it's not under a hundred dollars, but I'm going to tell you anyways, is uh, golf lessons. So I am very into golfing. And for anyone that loves to work on their mindset and any type of self-improvement, I highly recommend taking up golf because it's very much about a skill that you develop and hugely about how you view yourself and the way you learn and the game. It's a huge mental challenge. So under $100 would be probably around 18 holes the other weekend. But when I was thinking of that question, I was actually thinking of golf lessons that I signed up for. It's actually more of a couple hundred bucks. But mm -hmm. um, when I think of a purchase that's incredibly profound for me, investing in developing a skill that not only challenges me physically, but also my mindset, um, hugely, hugely beneficial for me. So, yeah. so let me ask you this. Is there something that universally you see broadly among your clients as far as they come to you and you're working with, like I said, uh, broadly across a yep. majority of your clients? Is there one thing that they come to you with and you're like, okay, well, we need to work on this aspect of, you know, helping you with this, whether that's, you know, developing yourself or whatever. What, what is it you see at broad spectrum? universal it's mindset so it's the difference between certain uh, individuals that have what's considered a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset 
Um, for those that don't know about fixed versus growth mindset, you can look it up. It was created by uh, Carol Dweck. Uh, I think she's a Stanford University psychologist. She wrote a book on it. Um, and most of the times I'm really coaching individuals around their beliefs and their mindset, how they approach dating. I can teach you the skills of dating. I can teach you how to kind of have some communication and how to set up your profile. But the most important thing is how you're viewing yourself and the process. So mindset for sure. Okay. Well, my yeah. audience is going to be familiar with the concept of growth con- mindset. We talk about it a lot. I've actually read her study and her work on that. Yeah. She's Stanford, right? Did I get that right? I was going in the memory bank. I think so. I, I, I think read so the too, study. Yeah. I didn't really care where she was from. I, I I tend to, you know, some people hook on to certain details on things. Yeah. I, I want the information. If you're universally being recognized for the work, I want the information. I don't yeah. care who you are or where you're from. And I'm likely going to misquote who did it. Uh, I'm interested in the, you know, the meat of it. I want the information. That's the important stuff, right? Yeah. I, I wish I had the memory to recall. I, I've read so many books and talked to so many interesting people and just the stuff I've learned and studied over the years. It's like, mm-hmm. I kind of wish I had a memory for that, but I'm, I'm that guy who's like, I, I remember this. I have no idea who said it. Oh, well, somewhere I read something that said something along the lines of this. That's right. basically my brain, too. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched the series Suits on Netflix, that Mike Ross lawyer guy who basically has a photogenic memory. We kind of all wish we could be like that, but we're not really. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of blows my credibility in a lot of arguments. It's like, no, really, I I do know. I, I was arguing with my friend about something the other day, and it's like, do you really want to debate this? He's like, well, you can't cite it. But at the same time, I know how much time you spend sitting around reading studies and reports and news stories. So I have no doubt you read it. I just really like to know where you read it because I want to see it. It's like, yeah, uh, I'll work on that. I'll I'll see if I can pull (laughs) it up for you. But, you know, I read like 300 articles last week, so I have no idea which one it was. That's like writing an essay in high school and then like having to like, you get like 50% of your grade is on how well you source it. <laughs> right. Bibliographies. Oh, bane of my existence in high school. So let me ask you this. What are your three best pieces of advice for any random man on the dating scene right now? Just randomly. If a guy goes, okay, I want to start dating. What are just the three starting pieces of advice you're going to give him? Know what you're looking for. And when I mean that, I mean, know what your values are and how those align with the person that you want to be in a relationship with. Okay. Cause there's so many people that what I call use the spaghetti at the wall tactic with dating. They just throw it at the wall and they see what sticks and they hope to heck it turns out to be a good experience. And maybe that actually works out and maybe it ends terribly. (laughs) Okay. So Know what you're looking for. The second is know what you don't want. Okay, just as much as you need to get clear on what you are looking for, the type of relationship you want to have, the values that you want to uh, align with somebody else, such as kids or no kids, religion, no religion, those types of things, really, really important. Yeah. Is know what you don't want. So be really clear on what your boundaries are and what your deal breakers are. Um, and I say that because my third point is go in it with a real open mind and a positive attitude um, and know your value. 
Okay. Because there are so many people that are out there dating that are prioritizing the idea of love over things like respect and commitment. Okay. So there are a lot of men that are chasing women who are actually not emotionally available for them or are not showing them the kind of interest that they also deserve. So for me, I would say like a deal breaker is apathy where someone has a lack of interest in you. Often men, if they think, oh, this is my only shot or she's the only one that responded to me, I'm going to keep chasing and pushing and hopefully convince her to love me. No, man, move on. You're better than that. You can find someone else that wants to put the effort in to get to know you. So off the top of my head, those are the three, right? Know what you want, know what you don't want and value yourself. Keep an open mind through the process. Okay. Going from that process to, I'm going to pull in one of the questions you had on your bio. What are the three biggest mistakes men are making in 2021 about dating? Overthinking everything. (laughs) Should I, shouldn't I, should I approach her? Shouldn't I approach her? Should I wait a couple days before I message her? What the heck does that mean? Should I show all my buddies what that means? Like so much overthinking and concerning yourself with whether you're showing up right or should be doing something different. Do you? Right. So definitely a huge mistake is overthinking the whole process. And that's typically going to happen for men that are uh, what I or not what I class, but what under the attachment styles we class as an anxious dater. Right. There's also men that are very avoidant. They want love. but They soon as like they get too close to someone, they're like, I'm out of here. I'm going to leave you before you get a chance to leave me. Peace out. Right. Probably the same guys that founded that movement. Right. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so. Uh, mistake number one is overthinking the whole process. Um, the second is I'm going to go more on like what's current and more mainstream with online dating is, uh, texting anxiously. So trying to build a connection with someone through text messaging. Okay. I believe that that's a mistake. Now, a lot of people are really comfortable dating from their living rooms alone in their underwear. I don't think that's the best process right? We're matching with someone. We're then conversing with them on message. And that can go on in some cases for months between people, Mm -hmm. right? When are you going to actually meet that person in real life? So we're constantly texting, you know, we're overthinking the texting. We're doing these long back and forth sagas, sharing our life on a text message. Um, and, it is a mistake in many regards. Now, if you're, you're separated by distance, there's just a reason why you can't meet right away. I understand you got to go through the process that's organic and natural for you. But uh, I do suggest that once you've matched with somebody, and I'm just referring to online right now, once you've matched with somebody and you had enough conversation to get a sense of whether they're interesting enough to want to meet, get their number, go for a coffee, right? You don't date at home alone in your living room. You date when you get out in the world and you're genuinely connecting with people. So that would be a mistake that I see uh, really often with men is, you know, they're kind of dating online only. And when they do, they're afraid to take it to the next step. Um, And a third mistake, which kind of goes to the advice I gave, which is tolerating poor behavior. (laughs) So somebody isn't showing interest or they're expecting you to pay for everything or they're canceling last minute on you or they're not valuing you and your time uh, yet you're pursuing them anyways. Not such a good way to go. So those would be the three that I'd think of off the top of my head. 
Guys, if you are getting something out of this, be sure to do the whole social media thing. Give us the like, give us a thumbs up, and uh, let us know that you're enjoying this. And be sure and check out Kimberly over at her YouTube channel and all of her many social medias. Now, Kimberly, here is the real question that everybody wants to know, right? What <laughs> women want. What do women, are women actually looking for in a relationship in 2021? Fantastic question. It's, it's not necessarily a one word answer. What women are looking for is safety. So what I mean by that is a lot, a lot of men would say oh, women are looking for security, which means I need to be financially stable. But that's not necessarily what women are really looking for. What women are looking for is a man that they can share a life with that makes them feel safe to be around. And what I mean by that is they feel safe that you're sharing a similar vision for the relationship. They feel safe being vulnerable with you, right? They feel safe in the space that you're creating together. Um, and of course, on top of that, uh, they want to feel desired, right? We want our partners to desire us. Like we want to know that I want to know that the man that I'm dating loves the crap out of me, right? I want to know that he desires spending time with me. I want to know that he talks about me positively when I'm not around. Um, but at the same time, I want to feel safe in that relationship. So it's, it's not that complicated, really. <laughs> it's amazing. But, you know, women, uh, I laugh because I've seen so many relationship people talk about, you know, women study men, right? If you look at women's magazines, there's all these magazines and all these articles about, you know, how to improve your relationship and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Guys are very simple and women are very complex in the way they look at things. And so I know so many guys who just, I mean, they're in the relationships, whether they're in one actively or dating mm -hmm. are just so confused about, well, what does a woman actually want from me? You know, we want you to be true to yourself and to your values and your convictions. So the last thing a woman wants is a man that she can push around, like so to speak. Right? I don't want to change who my partner is. Yet, as a woman, I'm going to test him because unconsciously we're going to be testing men all the time. Which is <laughs> this is the complicated part, right? We say don't do your work tonight, come spend time with me, because we want to know that if we ask you that you're going to drop everything to come spend time with us. But deep down, if you then give up what your passions are and your purpose to then come spend time with us, we then actually view you as just going to throw the word out there, we see you as weaker, because you're not actually staying true to what's important to you. You're ignoring what's important to you just to please us in that moment. Right. So women, and I know this is the complicated thing. And if you want to dive deeper into this, um, the way of the superior man by David data is a really good book for men to read where he talks about the polarity of feminine and masculine and, and how you can't have two, two people on a dance floor. If they're both trying to lead, you're going to fumble and have an awkward dance, right? Mm -hmm. You need to be able to have a bit of that back and forth and polarity, but Generally, women want to feel safe around you. They want to feel desired. They also want to know that they can't control you and everything that you do. So let's stay true to who you are and what you value. And don't just bend and waffle and crumble just to make your woman happy in that moment. Right? Because it is entirely impossible to please somebody all the time. <laughs> We're going to test you. Right? But we hope that you really pass the test. <laughs> I say it's hilarious. So, uh, 
I have a line of shirts and products that says, has, has the words toxic masculinity across it and the word toxic crashed up, crossed out. And it says essential masculinity over the word toxic. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think toxic masculinity is used very badly. Yes, it's misused actually. for sure. See. Essential masculinity. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because I keep seeing all these women are like, oh, you know, I want men who are more in touch with their feelings and more sensitive and men who will prioritize me. And it's like, if we all act like that, you really wouldn't be interested in having a real relationship with us. Well, some of those women are probably very tapped into their masculine, right? And there's times in my relationship where I'm a little bit leading and maybe the bit more dominant person, but then I also know how to reel it in, let my man shine. And it's like, be the hero. Cause that's what he's meant to be. It's like biologically, he wants to be the hunter gatherer. He wants to like take care of his woman, you know, club her on the head and drag her across the floor type, <laughs> type mentality. But yeah, yeah, we do want men to be able to be vulnerable and open up and express emotions and show those emotions with us. Where I'm not saying that there's a bunch of women out there that are looking for feminine men, so to speak. And I know when we use feminine and masculine words, people can get a little bit like upset about it, but I'm, you know, I'm not really talking gender specific. I'm talking about the energies. Right. W- women who are very feminine in their essence and their nature um, are looking for a man who's strong and can be masculine and can have that opposite attraction and, and pull. So my man's a perfect example of this. I'm a guy rave about him all the time. I completely love him. I think he's an amazing example of like of a man because He can be sensitive and share what's really going on in his mind and his worries and his stresses and his frustrations with me. And I can hold space for him. And there's times when I'm looking at him like this, get out of his way because he's going somewhere and he's going to get there. (laughs) And I'm not going to stop him no matter what I do or say. And to to look at him and have that respect for the fact that he's multidimensional is hugely attractive for me. And I think is really important. See, I think that's something that gets lost today is this idea of mutual respect. I think you hit the nail on the head right there is we are not just in relationships, moving away from being taught to just respect people and respect other people, people Mm -hmm. who are different than us, people who have different ideas than us. We've gone to this moment where if we don't agree on something, we can't be friends. We can't, we, nope, nope, we, we don't agree. Sorry, we're out, you know. And I'm that has many be- people then <laughs> it, it has become a very predominant mentality yeah. in the way people are looking at the world instead of going, you know what? Hey, we have different opinions and that's cool. That's what makes our friendship cool. Our relationship cool Great. is we're stronger yeah. together, right? There's no way that everyone you come across is going to think the same way you do. You were raised differently of different beliefs. You might have different political leanings, different religious you know, ideas. And so if you're only searching for people that validate what you think, I would imagine you're living a very sheltered life, so to speak, right? I think that everybody should also seek the opposite information to what they believe and then make an informed decision. (laughs) I was raised uh, very, by a very Southern upbringing. So it's, you know, you, you respect people, you treat people with courtesy, you treat people with respect. And there's a lack of mutual relation respect in a lot of relationships these days, whether mm-hmm. it be romantic relationships or friendships even. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons we're struggling in relationships these days is yeah. that lack of respect. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think a lot of people are coming from a place of like feeling hurt. And so we often, uh, Sarah said the word earlier, mirroring uh, other people when we were talking about those groups and how they're behaving is mm-hmm. uh, we can protest in our relationships to try and get attention. And the way we protest to do that might be a really uh, unhealthy uh, mannerism that we bring up, right? It could be to criticize our partner just so that they give us something. And that's not very respectful of the other person. (laughs) So uh, the other kind of half of what I do in my practice outside of, you know, supporting men to, to date, um, in a way that's healthy and authentic to them, but is also working with men that are already in relationships that are wanting to improve their relationship communication. They want to reduce conflict or at least have conflict that is healthier because we can't avoid it. It's necessary. Mm-hmm. We just need to know how to engage in a, in a respectful manner to go to that point of respect. Um, and if you follow any of the work by the Gottman Institute, which is where I've, I've done a lot of my relationship theory uh, studies, mm-hmm. they show that there are what they call the four horsemen in conflict. So I don't know if this has ever come up in your podcast. We've ever talked about it before. No, but I haven't. No, no? No, I'm, I'm familiar with the idea, but I haven't talked about it. Yeah. So, I mean, the number one predictor of marital divorce is holding your partner in contempt, which is a form of disrespect, mm-hmm. right? It's rolling your eyes at them. It's, it's in that moment thinking you're better than them, that they're down here and you're up here. And if we treat our partners like that, Number one predictor of marital divorce, right? The other three horsemen, which are also terrible offenses, but maybe not as bad as the contempt is Mm -hmm. criticizing our partners. The whole, you did this, you know, you're such a bad person, right? Like you didn't unload the dishwasher, you're late, or you are, and I'm like, women also really like to point out all the negative things that their partner does do. So criticism another defensiveness is uh, another one where when somebody is trying to express something to you that made them feel uncomfortable or hurt their feelings, instead of hearing them and holding space for them, we jump to the defense. Yeah, well, I only did that because of all these reasons. And I'm so justified in everything that I do in my life, right? So uh, defensiveness defensiveness is, is, uh, we're going to have a gridlock here. And the last one is stonewalling. So this is completely shutting down when we're having a conversation with our partner. Uh, And that could be you and your wife are having a a conversation and you're tired of listening to her. So you pick your phone up and you ignore her, right? Or you turn the TV back on or you walk out of the room, right? In the middle of a conversation, which shows the other person that you don't value or care about what they're saying. And it's just totally a sign of disrespect. Um, the good news is there's ways to overcome all this and improve our conflict and have healthier conflict and actually remind each other that we're on the same team. So yeah, some fascinating stuff that we, I'm sure we could go totally oh, on a yeah. tangent talking about it, <laughs> but have you, uh, are you familiar with Dr. Lesson Leslie Perot or Parrot? I don't know how no. to say their name. So they're a Christian based couple, but they have a book called the good fight. In fact, they do seminars Right. I, I think I've all over. I've, they do simulcast for the book called the good fight. Yeah. And it's Dr. Les and Leslie parrot. I don't know if there's a little oomph on one of the letters or something, but uh, <laughs> Sarah, Sarah and I set through a simulcast at our church. They hosted it and had like dinner and stuff and watched yeah. the simulcast, but it was a really incredible book. And I've talked about it several times in some of my videos. Mm-hmm. And it, they teach people how to have 
healthy conflict in their relationship. So you both win. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, they say both win uh, mm-hmm. or compromise or find a way to remind yourself that you're on the same team because right. most people are trying to win in an argument. In fact, that's what I was taught in high school. I had I was on the grade 11 debate team and it was about winning. It was about making the other pe- person appear unintelligent or like a loser in that instance. And so I learned how to defend myself. Mm-hmm. and how to poke criticisms at others. I literally was taught that skill. Guess what? Where that translated into my relationships. Oh, yeah. Where I, in my past, I'm so super open about it. I reflect on who was I in my relationships. Overall, I'll give myself a pretty good score, right? I'm not too hard on myself. But I know that one of my weaknesses was I was very quick to point out the flaws in my partner versus highlight the good things that they were doing. So I would be very critical when I was feeling unloved or lonely or anxious or hurt or anything. I would, my immediate reaction would be to criticize the other person. And that didn't make any of my partners feel very good. So I very, very hard, try very hard to diminish that. Sometimes I can be critical. I don't mean to be, we all know he's perfect, but I'm much more focused on highlighting the positive things that my partner does. Because those are the things that I enjoy and I'm taking notice of these days. That was one of the interesting concepts in their book is the idea of you both win, right? Because we all have been taught that, right? Yeah. You you fight. It's all about who wins, right? Mm -hmm. We're taught that from the time we're little. And so, yeah, it was a really, you got to check that out in some of your reading. uh, It's a very interesting concept of. It's like, no, no, there's a way to both win in a fight. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. Oh, (laughs) that's not right. I know this. So we're on the same team. It's, it's just like, if we can just remember that when we're in conflict, like Mm -hmm. it's not you versus me, it's us versus the problem. Okay. It's us versus the problem, not you and I against one another. However, if you want to have a little psychological trick to win arguments, <laughs> make yourself bigger than the other person and stand above them looking down at them. <laughs> that is a little trick that you can use in business and in your negotiations. I was say, that doesn't work. I'm, I'm a lot bigger than my wife. Trust me. It doesn't work. <laughs> that, that doesn't work at all. No, you're looking over her like, oh my God, I'm out of I, here. I, I don't even try because if I puff up any bigger, I'm just going to get jacked in the ribs. She, she <laughs> got a weird. mean elbow. Okay, she, warning. Don't take my advice on she that. She got two brothers, <laughs> so she's had to hold her own. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you keep using the term, um, hold the space for them. Will you, will you explain that a little bit? I like the term. Yes. Um, what I'm really saying there is active listening. So this is going to come up in the dating process and it's sure as heck going to come up in your relationships where one individual is sharing something that's important to them. It could be really emotional. They could be angry. They could be sad. And they're coming to you as their trusted partner to hear them. Now, oftentimes, there are two things that happen. One, when our partner is feeling uncomfortable, we feel uncomfortable and we want to feel less uncomfortable. So we try and make them feel less uncomfortable so that we can feel less uncomfortable. Right? So we might interrupt them or try and give them solutions to their problem just so they can stop being angry or hurt and be happy again. Because gosh, it's so uncomfortable when you're unhappy. Holding space is saying, I can sit with my partner's discomfort and I can be okay, right? I can hold space to hear and feel 
what my partner is going through. And in this moment, my duty is to just listen to them. You don't need to solve their problem. I don't need to fix their feelings or the emotions. I can just be present and hold that space for what they're experiencing and going through. Um, Super important. Men are a little bit more hardwired to want to find solutions to problems. And women are a little more emotionally driven. So when she comes to you with an emotional problem and you try and meet her with intellect, you're going to have a bit of a mismatch, right? (laughs) I'm sure that whoever is coming to you is intelligent enough to know how to take a few first steps to overcome their own problem. They're most likely looking for a space to be heard and for their emotions to be validated. So advice out there for men and for women is if someone's coming to you with emotion, meet them with emotion or ask them permission if you want to help solve their problem. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I'm hearing what you're saying. Would you like me to just listen to you or or would you like me to offer some solutions here? And they might just say, please just listen or just, I don't know, just listen or whatever they're going through, right? I don't need a solution right now, so. I I laugh. And it drives people insane for an audio show because I I don't laugh out loud very often, but I just sit here and grin through this entire dialogue because I'm I'm looking at my marriage and, you know, my wife over here in the comments can can tell you, I, there are times I have to stop and go, okay, am I listening to you talk about the problem or am I solving the problem? Mm -hmm. Because as men, we are, we're hardwired, right? Someone we love, someone we care about deeply comes to us and is in distress Ah. we're protectors and providers biologically. That's, that's what we are hardwired for. Yeah. So my first need is there's something wrong with my spouse. There's something making her unhappy. I need to fix it. That that's becomes priority. Number one in my brain is because her world is not right. Therefore my world is not right. And I need to solve her world because Mm -hmm. her being right. is a very crucial part of my world. Yeah. Right. It's not just that I want to make her not feel upset or bad. It's also her being happy is a very critical part of my world. Mm, And probably how you view the health and the strength of the relationship. Yes. This, Mm -hmm. this is the barometer. Like my whole world can be falling apart. As long as my wife and kids are okay, the world can burn. I don't care. Yeah. But the minute my wife is distressed, I mean, I can be perfectly happy if she is distressed about something instantly just (sighs) comes crashing down. I'm ready to tear someone's head off, whatever (laughs) it takes to fix the problem. And that's coming from a good place for sure. I will build the Taj Mahal or I will go whack somebody if I need to, whatever, you know, what it takes. Yeah. Uh, And so as a man, it's very difficult to have that. Um, I'd say that's one of the things in relationships that all men really struggle with. Oh yeah. And that's why I, I mean, wanted you to expand on your term for holding space. Like this is yeah, it, it's really for sure critical. The number one thing that gets raised with men I work with that are in relationships is we're having fights and I don't even know why they've started. <laughs> and they, a lot of the times they start because there's an unmet need. Mm-hmm. And that need, that unmet need could be, I just needed to feel heard and listened to, right. which most of us are really wanting. Yeah. Right. We, the, the whole emotional, our, our emotional range can be a little limited. And, and I know that's like a, 
a bad trope, right? Everybody's like, oh yeah, men have no emotions. No, we, we have emotions. We just process them very differently than women do. And so the, the emotions occur after the problem is over, mm-hmm. right? Our, our hard wire is solve the problem, fix the issue, and then we can process how we feel about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a, I, I've been, there are people who would call me klutzy. Um, I, <laughs> I've had a number of injuries over the years. And <laughs> my wife is mocking me in the comment section over here, guys. Um, Just a big wall. <laughs> I, I have had a more than a fair share of injuries over the years. Um, some pretty severe ones. I, I broke my neck at the beginning of 2020 Oof. in the gym. Uh, you know, I've got a fractured lower spine. Uh, I've, I've, I've racked up the injuries. Yeah. Golf's not for you, huh? Huh? <laughs> golf is not your sport then. No, no. I like the driving range. Yeah. I, I really, uh, my brother-in-law introduced me to the driving range. It's kind of where we built our relationship. Mm. We we drink coffee and just go to the driving range and laugh oh. at each other, just whacking balls out to the left field. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I could ever actually play real golf. I'm, I'm not sure I have the temperament for that. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, I am a bit in, in incident prone. But in those moments, I have utter clarity. Mm. Right. When I broke my neck, I immediately knew what was wrong. I assessed my situation before I ever tried to move or even thought about it. Like I mm. ran full diagnostics, wiggled my toes a little bit, wiggled my ankle, you might curl my foot a little bit, wiggle my, you know, just work my way up the joints, see if I had a lack of movement or anything. I am super prime. Uh, I actually have a t-shirt that says I'm great in the moment. Right. Well, you tap right into that and, logical brain. So right. Instead of acting on your emotion, you went through like, what is really happening right now? That's for, a very good stress response. But for me, it was, you know, five days, six days removed before I even emotionally started processing anything. Mm. Uh, and it didn't feel like it set me back that bad. I actually have a bit of lingering trauma. It's been over a year now. But I was actually doing a podcast recording, I think, last week. And right at the end, I was, I was wrapping everything up and downloading files and my neck popped. Oh. My neck never used to pop. It's only done it a handful of times since I broke it. But two of the times, like, I lost consciousness. Wow. Jeez Louise. Uh, I have not been back to a doctor, and I, I really need to, to see because they said it was all healed up. Yeah. But it popped right at the end. Sarah came up to talk to me about the episode after we were done with it, and I was just sitting there afraid to move, right? But it took a long time for me to realize that I even had any kind of trauma to it because I processed everything intellectually at the time. And then it was like, okay, wow, that was a uncomfortably close call. No, but, there's a lot of emotions that needed to be processed but, for but sure. That was my limit of processing it. Yeah. Right? So guys are great at, we want to fix something and then we can think about how we feel about it. Mm. We want to process the emotions as an afterthought. And so when someone you care about comes to us, we're like, ooh, we got to fix this now. We got to fix your world. Then you can start the healing process, right? Yeah. Because that's the way we do it as opposed to the fairer sex who want to process the moment and the emotions and deal with them right there Mm -hmm. and actually feel them 
we're just like, no, no, no. We need to take care of things. We'll get to, we'll get to feeling later. Oh yeah. (laughs) Women make decisions based on how they're feeling in the moment. So that's why I could say to you, I don't want to go on that trip anymore. And then 20 minutes later, when I've calmed down, I'm like, yeah, of course we're still going on the trip. What are you talking about? You'll be like, you told us we're not going. I just went and canceled everything. You're like, why on earth did you do that? You're crazy. (laughs) It's because now we're feeling okay about it. But before we were. (laughs) Right. And and men wonder why guys are intimidated. You guys feel so much more in the moment than we do that. We're just like, I'm not sure what is happening. Yeah. Right in this moment. That's how we're processing. We're processing through feeling or even acting out how we're feeling as well. So, and then it, we're like, it's kind of, then we're done. We're kind of okay after that. <laughs> so I've braved the dating world now and we're doing this right. And I want to take it from we're dating to moving into a more deeper relationship. How mm-hmm. do you, we make that transition from, okay, we've started dating this person and we're enjoying their company and starting to have stronger feelings and emotions about it. Yeah. How do we make that transition from dating into, uh, as you specialize in, moving towards a more meaningful relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's a really wonderful question. Actually, recently I've been asked a lot, like how do I know when I should commit to somebody? And there kind of isn't a one-size-fits-all answer to that. It's very much... You know, are you seeing positive signs of the relationship as it's unfolding? Are you getting to know that person on a deep level? And are you feeling deeply known? And do you align in terms of what you are both wanting from the relationship? And are you aligned in your values? If you're starting to feel like all of that stuff is adding up, then I would say you're heading towards a really beautiful future with that person. But for some people... That may be, and I don't like to put rules around dating, but I would recommend, okay, so you can ignore me or you can take this advice, to at least date somebody, at least date them for three months before you make any commitment to them. And I would say probably go a little longer than that if you can, because the truth is, in the beginning, we're very much in this field of infatuation that other person can do no wrong we're totally addicted to them we have oxytocin and all the yummy chemicals going through our brain that says like that person is a perfect person for me (laughs) and we don't really know what they're like under pressure or when things aren't going so well in their lives so you know we may want to lock them down and commit to them and have them as our person forever at that point in time but there is no rush And it's also about the journey of getting to know another amazing human being and determining if that person is someone you really want to give your full self to. I got the advice from I, when I first started dating my partner, um, I, for the first time in my life had to get a couple um, counseling sessions through the process because I noticed a lot of anxieties arising in me and being a coach myself, I understand the benefit of getting support when we need it. And I remember she said to me, two things that were incredibly impactful for me and things that I pass on to men that I work with too, which is what I said earlier, there is no rush, right? Because anxious daters do want to rush into things. Mm -hmm. So there is no rush and you don't know enough about this person to be certain. (laughs) When she said that to me, I was like, 
I felt like she just went through the screen and like slapped me across the face. <laughs> and she's like, you don't know enough about this guy to be certain about him. So just relax. And I was like, yes, I do. He's perfect. She's like, no, <laughs> he's not. Chill the F out. Slow things down. I was like, fine. Like so begrudgingly. I was like, fine, fine, fine. Let me like really get to know this person and what makes them tick and what doesn't. And, you know, our relationship is developing at a pace that is very different from my past relationships. And I'm very happy about it because I'm really getting to know this person and who they really are. And so, you know, slow things down. Look for these green signs. I have a couple posts out there to say like what you should be looking for from somebody too. But really, you know, do you feel safe around them? right? Do you feel like you can be yourself around them? Are you starting to really know that person, their fears and their dreams, right? And are you wanting the same thing from your lives together? And if all those things are adding up, go ahead, make the commitment if you want, right? I'm not, I'm not an advocate for having the conversation, but if you want to have it. (laughs) I asked one young couple that, uh, when I was a minister, I was doing some premarital counseling with a young couple and I asked them, it's like, how, how does your future husband, how does his family do Christmas? Mm. And they're like, she's, she's like, and she knew. Like, okay. How's her family do Christmas? Uh, well, they do this. Like, Great. How are you guys going to do Christmas? Yeah. And the, well, we'll go to my mom. And she's like, no, we'll go to my, and, and instantly the argument started. Oh yeah. And it's like this they, and they didn't want to do any kind of premarital counseling. It was like this, this is why you do counseling beforehand. Because 100%. there are conversations I, I you haven't talked yet, right? Counseling can be proactive, people. Hiring a coach can be proactive, right? It doesn't mean we have to wait until there's an issue and then try and go fix it. We can also be working on our skills so that we prevent these big things from happening, right? Mm-hmm. And that's actually a beautiful thing. It's in the, the the Gottman Institute has this funny little diagram called the sound relationship house. And it's, you know, indicators of a healthy long-term relationship. And one of them talks about having shared rituals with your partner. So your example of how do you as a couple celebrate Christmas is a beautiful example of like, as the two of you now bring what you both like and your beliefs and your traditions into a relationship, how are you making it work for the two of you? And how, what kind of meaning does that have for you? Um, which is a really fun thing to explore with somebody, I think. It is. And, but it's, yeah. it's one of those little things you don't think about when you're caught up in the moment, right? We're, yeah. we're so excited. All the, all the chemicals are flowing. We're like, yay, yay. And we're not thinking of like, okay, well, six months from now, we're, we're going to experience this together. How's that going to go? Yeah. Or we're going to move in together. How are you? What is it like to live with you? Do you leave your stuff all over the place? Are you super OCD about everything? Are we going to butt heads on all of this stuff? Like let's, let's, let's actually find out what are the major sources of conflict and deal with them now (laughs) (laughs) or at least have some thoughts about them. I had one couple tell us one time that it's like, Oh, we've been dating for years. So, you know, we, we, we don't need any kind of, you know, counseling. We don't need to go talk to anybody. I was like, I don't even want you to talk to me. Talk to somebody right? Find yeah. somebody you guys both trust and talk to them. Oh, we don't need that. We've been dating for years. It's like, yeah, but at the end of the night, you both go home, right? Mm-hmm. You may go to her place. She may go to your place. But at the end of the day, you both go home and get to retreat. Once you're in the same place, there's no going to your corners. No. Well, the dynamic is very different. And you actually need to have conversations around a source of conflict is 
disagreeing on time together versus time apart, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So sometimes people will get offended if their partner wants to do something without them, but it actually is really healthy. Uh, and the foundation of a healthy relationship is, you know, person A has an identity, person B has an identity, right? They keep those identities. Mm-hmm. They learn to be in a relationship together, but they're not merging their identities, right? What was it? Spice Girls 2 becomes one. No, <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> two stays as two, but you decide to hang out together. Wow, right? <laughs> I have not heard of Spice Girls reference in a few years. No, that's, I don't know where it came from, but I was like, that's a perfect example. Like, it's, no, two does not become one. You stay as individual people. <laughs> Props for the yeah, 90s reference. That was the start of like the codependency pandemic. Thanks, Spice Girls. <laughs> right? I, oh my goodness. Uh, Twilight series. Yeah. What in the world? I was like, uh, can we teach kids to be more codependent on each other? Yeah. How overly dramatic can we get? <laughs> probably more I'd say That's terrifying. <laughs> so what is next for Kimberly Hill what is next for me uh in life is just continuing to have fun go on adventures practice my golf game love my partner be a good citizen and person uh for business it's continuing to support and help men that are either single and wanting to date or in relationships and wanting to improve them um been doing this now for a few years business is going well and growing Um, So lots of cool things on the horizon. Um, Maybe not as much travel as I would have liked over the last year and a half. I'm a big, big fan of traveling, but I definitely see that coming up uh, in the new year as well as some, some personal goals I'm working on. So lots of exciting stuff, at least to me in my world. (laughs) So you have a website and social media. Where can people find you? Yeah, great question. And thank you for asking it. Um, of course, if you want to like get some advice and get an idea of like how I speak to my audience and the kind of things I'm talking about, social media at Kimberly Nina Hill is a great way to connect with me. Um, if you are looking for a little bit more personalized support, um, then I would recommend checking out my website, uh, KimberlyNinaHill.com. There it is. Um, that's me. <laughs> And uh, you can download a free guide I have uh, that talks about how to overcome common mistakes men are making in dating. It's called the Dating Handbook for Men. Um, And of course, if you actually want to see if coaching is right for you, there's no, never any pressure on any of my calls, but I certainly would happily invite you to have a free 45 minute consultation with me. If I'm the right person, awesome. If I'm not, I might know someone else that could support you. So those are some places to find me. And we have here on the screen. The dating handbook for men. Is that what you're talking about? That's it. Yeah. Get, get the free uh, handbook. Uh, created a, a really amazing ebook there that talks about how to overcome a lot of common mistakes men make when they're dating again um, and gives some uh, useful tips there on attraction, uh, even a suggestion on how to ask a girl out, a couple different workbooks there to help you get really clear on what you are looking for and what you don't want. Lots of things we talked about today on the show. So yeah, grab it. It's free. If you hate me, unsubscribe. No big deal. (laughs) Guys, as always, we will have all of Kimberly's contacts down in the show notes or in the description of the show, depending on what platform you're watching. Guys, go check out what Kimberly is about. She's working on YouTube a little bit at a time. She's got some cute videos on there that I enjoyed. Uh, She's very active (laughs) on Instagram. YouTube is a whole beast of its own, right? It's like a lot of work to edit and create videos. So I do have a few up there. Check them out for sure. You get a sense of my personality. Crazily, I decided to start a TikTok channel. I don't know what I'm thinking. Uh, You can follow me there for some fun and laughs. 
Um, but of course, you know, social media, Instagram is where I hang out the most, I'd say. <laughs> I was told by a uh, friend of mine who owns multiple businesses, small businesses, like he barraged me for 40 minutes one day. I came into one of his brick and mortar businesses. He makes artisan hot sauce, which is okay, just cool. amazing, right? Besides running the family uh, little Hispanic grocery store and restaurant in town, but he makes artisan hot sauce. And I went in because I'm addicted, man. He he's, yeah. makes his habanero hot sauce. And, but we've been buddies for several years. Uh, I've done some side work for him in IT with the store and stuff like that, helping with the network. And he pulled me aside one day and we were talking business. And he's like, dude, I love what you're doing. It's going great. How about TikTok? Are you doing TikTok? I was like, no, dude, that's like a space for little girls to dance and, you know, people to do weird stuff to music. It's, that's not, that's not me at all. And he, he spent 40 minutes chewing me out because I was not on TikTok. He's like, you know, this is where people come to get that face-to-face -face talk and you are so comfortable on the camera. Yeah. You, you need to be here. I was like, I don't, I finally created a TikTok account in front of him to end the argument. Yeah. Uh, and so it's still, that's, I mean, that's, it's so just, weird to I mean, me. how many places do you spread yourself, right? It gets to the point where like, can you maintain quality on all these different channels? No. The truth is you're already recording some amazing content here. Maybe you just take little snippets of it to start um, and see how it goes. That, right? That's a lot of my other social feeds. I have, I have eight yeah. social media platforms, so. It's hard. Like running a business <laughs> these days is like, where do you want to be? LinkedIn, Facebook, Facebook groups, TikTok, YouTube, podcasts. I don't know. You name it. Oh yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Kimberly, thank you for taking the time to join us today. You have shared some amazing, amazing things with us. And guys, I hope you've been paying attention. Check out what Kimberly's got going on. And as always, be better tomorrow because of what you do today. We'll see you next time. This has been the Fallible Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own fallible man gear.